I'm continuing on talking about redeemed from redeemed from the curse and the blessing. And like I said, I want I'm just gonna I'm dwelling on this and taking time because it's I want us to. My desire is that we get we get very focused on this, and I believe I I personally believe that this is a very now message. Um, I believe it's something with the way things are in the world, the way things are going, that as Christians, we really need to learn to get some things functioning our li- in our lives, to get into that place where, 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 where there's a shield of protection around us while we're, we're still on this earth doing what we need to do. There's still a job to be done. Amen. I know, I know people are eager about the return of Jesus, and I believe we're in the last times, but there's still a job to be done. Amen. There's still people to be to to receive to 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 to, to pull out of the grips of of hell and the, and and bring into light. But it, I believe God God it's always been God's intention that 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 He raise up a people, especially in the end times and the last generation, who are walking in a place where where what's going on around us in the world, the manifestation of the curse, judgment, things happening in the world, is doesn't have to be governing our lives too. This is this is a provision that God has made. Now it's all always been available, but especially in the last days, because you realize we're gonna we're coming two days where ju- where there's gonna be greater manifestations of judgment than there's ever been. And I, I'm not gonna go into if people think do we get you know raptured before? I don't I don't even want to go into all of that. But even in the lead up to some things, the world is on a path right now, and there's this things things are you know. We pray for people going through some things, but the people of God, we need to learn how to live in this place where his shield around us is very real. And we're not being hit by the things happening in the world, too. And the blessing is a big part of this. The more I study it, the more I'm convinced it is. And and being free from the curse. Now, many people have heard the message, Christ has redeemed me from the curse, but but they've never really explored the depths of it. We've had a bit of the foundation. People have heard, you know, what is the curse? Well, you know, they, they summarize that the curse is sickness, poverty, and spiritual death, and that, that's been built. But they don't know a lot more beyond that. There's more revelation in the word on this. This is why we're dwelling on it. To get into that place, the, the blessing, in fact, we'll, 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 we'll look at some scriptures uh, as we go today. But now I am... Um, I've been going through, obviously we read Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. And I, we'll probably look at some things in Galatians uh, in a minute. And um, in the last few weeks, I've been going through specific aspects of the blessing and of the curse. Do you remember that from Deuteronomy 28? We, we talked about how in the blessing there's fruitfulness, whereas in the curse, the fruit's getting destroyed, locusts, or it's falling on the ground, or it's just not being pr- fruitful. In the blessing is productiveness. Uh, in the blessing is whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Are these very real things from God? In the in the curse, it's the opposite. Everything you touch fails and breaks. Every every project you get involved in goes wrong. Do you, do you realize that that many people do not do not really grasp the fact that there are spiritual forces affecting our lives every day there are spiritual laws that go in that are that are in operation and they're working in, well just because someone doesn't believe in god or doesn't believe in 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 
even that there's a realm of the spirit does not mean that their lives are not affected by spiritual forces. <laughs> you not you don't you don't just exempt yourself from spiritual forces by saying, "Well, I don't believe." No, as we believe in Jesus, we learn how to get things working for us in the right direction and positive spiritual forces. But everybody's life on this planet is affected by spiritual laws and spiritual forces, whether they like it or not, whether they know about it or not. Ignorance doesn't exempt people from being affected by things. It's just that as we get knowledge and understanding, we learn how to channel things in the right direction. Do you realize that that gravity was on this planet before any scientist, which was it, Newton, or what goes up, what must come down, the apple or whatever, before any scientist put a definition on gravity and defined the laws, it was on this planet. And, um, and, and, and electricity was on this planet before anyone, anyone defined that. Man didn't invent electricity. Man discovered electricity. Do you realize Noah could really have benefited from a power saw? Why didn't he? It hadn't been discovered, but why hadn't it been discovered? Because nobody knew the laws of electricity, how to harness them. Now, if he had known, he could have benefited. But because he didn't know, it was no benefit to his life. Now, does that mean it was God's will that it didn't benefit him? No. The problem was not that God didn't want him to benefit. The problem is he didn't know. He didn't know some things. And 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 this is this is this is. This is what we need to realize. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wander around a little bit. Not wander around physically. I might do that as well. But in, in some teaching today, is that right? I'm not necessarily going to go into some specifics of the blessing and curse today. There's some things about the blessing and the curse that I'm just going to talk about. That Because I, I believe it's important that we, we raise our understanding and our faith a bit more about these things. But do you realize that it is not God's responsibility this 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 is this this go this will go against a lot of people's ideas. Do you know that it's got it's not God's responsibility to make sure that you know what you need to know. Think on that statement for a little bit. Somebody says, How many of you have ever heard how many of you have ever heard something goes wrong? Maybe someone Tragically, I'm not, you know, these things are tragic. They're sad. But maybe someone dies in a, in a plane crash or something like that. How many of you have ever heard Christians say, well, why didn't God tell them? Ever heard things like that? Why didn't God show them? Because of what I've just said. It's not God's responsibility to make sure you need to know what you need to know. You know what the word says? Seek and you'll find. You know what Proverbs says, search for wisdom like a hidden treasure. And, and, and Proverbs says, get wisdom, get understanding. Who, do, who does it put the responsibility on? Me. You get wisdom. So if I don't have wisdom, is it God's fault? If I don't have understanding of something, can I blame God? And because I don't have understanding of something, if my ignorance causes it to go wrong, is that God's fault? No. See, 
these are wrong thinking. People have this idea, and it's it's inbred into a lot of Christians that if something goes wrong, God was behind it. And if I was ignorant, it's God's fault because he should have shown me what I needed to know so that I wasn't ignorant so that things go right. So it's all his fault. Do you realize that's contrary to the Bible? And what I've just quoted you, he says, get wisdom, get understanding, put yourself in a position to get wisdom. And then what does he say? If you read Proverbs 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all of them, he then says this, he says, then you will find the knowledge of God. Then you'll have understanding. It doesn't say, and in fact, it even talks about searching for searching for wisdom as a hidden treasure, applying your heart to understanding. Do you, see, do you hear these terminologies? Search for something like hidden treasure. Apply your heart to, to understanding. Seek it out. Why? Because there are things we need to know but it's not just all on God to show me what I need to know. Now, people say, well, yeah, I know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. But actually, you'll find that a lot of Christians are not hearing the Holy Spirit showing them things to come because they don't place themselves in a position to hear what he's saying. So, again, we've got to put ourselves in a position. Something goes wrong and someone turns around and says, well, why didn't God do this? You've got to say, well, because actually things go wrong in people's lives all the time because they're ignorant of some things. And when God shows us principles and says, if you do this, this will happen. Then someone says, well, we don't have to do that, but we want that to happen still. <laughs> That's like me saying, if you connect these two wires, the light will go on. And someone says, I don't believe in connecting wires, but I still want the light to go on. <laughs> what's, God, what's God saying? If you put certain this and this together, this will happen. That, that's how things work, isn't it? So when God begins to say, you do this and this, this will happen. A lot of times Christians say, well, I don't want to do that and that, but God, I still want you to do that. It's not how it works. Very often he's showing us principles. And this is, a, he's, not, he's not trying to get you to do certain things just to please him. He's trying to teach us how things work. How many of you know this natural world, he made it to, to function a certain way? You can't, you can't walk off a cliff and expect to float off just because that's the results you want. <laughs> if you do certain things, you walk off a cliff, what's going to happen? The law of gravity will kick in. You'll, you'll go down. And, 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 and it's got nothing to do with, well, you know, I, I better not walk off a cliff because I'm trying to please God. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, you know, don't go around walking off a cliff. But when God says don't walk off the cliff, he's not trying to say, if you walk off that cliff, I'll be angry. He's trying to protect your life and say, don't do that. It'll harm you. And it's not about... I'm trying to explain some things here, but, but sometimes when God says do things this way, it's not just about I'm doing it just legally to, to please him. He's trying to show us a way to function where, where when we put certain dots together, things begin to flow. You understand that? Walking in his wisdom. I don't want to go too much more into that right now. It's not what I planned, but, but people don't realize that their lives are affected by 
spiritual forces. And God wants us to know how certain things work and how to walk in them. And one of these is the blessing. And, 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 and to, to understand Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Now, many people, including Christians, their lives are still being very governed by and affected by the curse. <clears throat> Does it have to be that way? Why are many Christians still being affected by the curse? Well, one is ignorance. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes, sometimes they, they, they haven't really got a hold of some things. They might have heard it a bit, but they haven't got a hold of it. And they're not walking in the freedom that is available to them. Can we walk in the full freedom of everything that's available? We can. We can. And part of it is, is, is by dwelling on this and hearing it more and understanding how to, walk, how to walk in the path and to walk in the way and to understand how to get things operating and functioning in our lives. Because like I said at the start, we're living in a day where God wants us these things functioning. Not just to have notebooks full of information. He wants us walk in the, walking in the reality of these truths. Okay. In fact, I was going to go, I will go <laughs> to Isaiah 58, but I want to go to James 1 first. Is that all right? I said, I'm going to just jump around today. I had it on my heart today that I want to, I want to explore a little bit more about blessing and cursing and, and, and for people to understand some things and, 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 and not just keep racing forward. They're, they're, sometimes you, we've done a bit of teaching. I need to pause and there's a few gaps I need to fill in and just go into a few things a bit more in depth. Well, Okay, let's read this first, and then I'll um, then I will explain James chapter one. Now, the context, starting in verse five, we're going to read verse five and six. <coughs> the context is wisdom, but I want to. There's something I want to draw out here. Many of you've probably heard this passage many times, but there's something I just want to draw out here, and it's relevant to 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 our topic about the blessing and the curse. James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I'm not going to teach on that, because I've got one, because I've got loads of teaching elsewhere on that, and two, because I'll get sidetracked and I'll spend the rest of the time just talking about things out of there. I'm just getting into the context here, okay? It's talking about context about uh, asking God for things, but let's look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now, he he. He then goes on to, to give a general principle. His context is wisdom, but what he's about to say next is a general principle that applies in more settings than just asking God for wisdom. Yeah? Because he says, if you want to get wisdom, you need to ask in faith with no doubting. But then from that point forward, the next phrase, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. He's giving us a general principle that applies far beyond just asking God for wisdom. Saying a person who gets into a certain condition, he who doubts, will be like what? A wave. You see that? Now, all kinds of teachings have gone on about this verse, but I want you to grow. I, I want you forget for a moment, forget everything you've heard and try to just see the perspective of where I'm coming from here. Because especially in different translations, some translations say wavering, wavereth, and it uses so many words that, that, that we, 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 we can, we, we train ourselves to only see this verse one way and we can miss out a bit on what he's saying. Okay. Now, how many of you know when you use a phrase, I'm going to, this is the new King James that I'm using, so I'm going to use the phrasing of this even if your phrasing is different. Let me read it to you again. He who doubts 
I'm not talking about doubt right now, okay? But he who doubts is like. Any English teachers in here? Anyone remember English grammar? <laughs> when you say this is like this, do you, that, do you realize that it's a comparison word? It's called a simile. Anyone remember similes, metaphors, similes, all these different things? Okay, a simile is when, do you, do you realize Proverbs uses similes a lot? Jesus' parables are, ex, many of them are expanded similes. Now, most similes is one sentence to another. This is like this. Okay, but Jesus, some of his parables were expanded form of similes because he said the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he compared the kingdom to something. That's why sometimes understanding grammar actually helps you read the Bible. I think sometimes a little bit of grammar lessons, we'd get rid of some of the false doctrines and errors that people come out because they just don't read things right. Okay, but um, similes are used in scripture. So when you use that, you're saying this, you're comparing one thing. You are comparing the characteristics of one thing to help you understand something else. For example, the Bible says, how many of you have ever heard? The Bible says the devil goes about like, like what? A roaring lion. Anyone know the rest of the phrase? Seeking whom he may devour. Now someone says, oh, the devil's a lion. No, 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 no. It doesn't say he's a lion. It says he's like. In other words, it's comparing. It's saying there's something about a lion, the characteristics of a lion, that he wants you to understand about the enemy. Is, does he say he has the strength of a lion? Rawr! See, you can't take a simile further than it's supposed to be taken. He's not emphasizing the strength of the lion in that passage. Now, do you realize that the Bible uses a lion in more than one context? It says the righteous are as bold as, as bold as, it's a comparison, a lion. In that verse, it's comparing the boldness of the lion. Is it saying every characteristic of a lion is like the righteous? It's highlighting one characteristic and saying that characteristic, the boldness that the lion has, is like the righteous. Do you see that? Now, Jesus is the lion. Anyone know the rest of the phrase? Of the tribe of Judah. Okay? So, Jesus is, is, is the, the statement lion is used in connection to Jesus. It's used in connection to the righteous. And it's used in connection to the devil. It's interesting, isn't it? The line in some ways is, but the Bible doesn't just say Jesus is like a lion. What does it say? He is. That's where the difference is. Does it say Jesus is one lion and the devil's another lion and rah, they're at each other's faces like two lions? No, because the passage that talks about the devil doesn't say the devil has all the characteristics of a lion. Doesn't say he has the strength, the size, the muscle, the meanness of a lion. All it says is he goes about as or like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. What's it? What's it highlighting about a lion? It's highlighting the prowling nature of a lion and comparing that characteristic to the devil. He has a prowling nature, seeking prey. 
So don't push the illustration further than it's meant to go. Okay? Jesus is the lion. The devil prowls like a lion, but he's not a lion. Yeah? I could go into similes a lot more. I've got old lessons on similes, but, but I'm just trying to help you see something. So when he says here, he who doubts is like a wave. What's he about to do? He wants you to know that there's something about a wave that you need to understand in this context. What is it about a wave? <coughs> is like a wave of the sea. What's the next phrase? Well, uh, let me read it in because your versions might be different. Like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Driven and tossed. He's saying that a wave has no control of its own destiny. A wave doesn't get to pick its direction in life. How many of you know a wave is at the mercy of outside forces? The wind. Now, he's not trying to make a deep scientific discovery. Someone says, well, actually, it's the gravitational thing of the moon. and it's there. Forget you're taking it too strong. He's, not, he's trying to just teach you a principle. He's not trying to give you a deep science study here. <laughs> okay? He's trying to show you a wave has no control over its own direction. It is driven and tossed by the wind. Now, the wind is an outside force. Something separate to the wave. Something behind the wave pushing it. Wherever the wind wants to go, not where the wave wants to go. Do you see the illustration? Saying, he who doubts is like a wave. Now, what is it about a wave you're like? You're at the mercy of outside forces and circumstances. You're driven and tossed. You have no control to pick your direction. You just go where you're pushed. By what? Well, he says the wind, the wave is pushed by the wind. Well, what is the wind? The wind is an invisible force. How many of you know, can't see the wind? You can only see the effects of the wind. The wind is an invisible force that you cannot see. But what you can see is the effect the wind has on the wave. The wave, something is pushing that wave. Something you can't see is determining the direction of that wave. That wave goes where it's pushed because of an outside force driving it. Let me give you an illustration. Can I have somebody, one of the two guys here? <laughs> okay. You want to face everybody here. Now, here's you. I'm, I'm going to be the wind. You be the wave. Yeah? Now, let, I'm, I'm, we're not going to have a big fight and tussle up here. I'm going to, you're going to try and go one way. I'm going to push you another way. But, but let's not trip over everything and, 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 and do it too. Okay. Let's say you want to go that way. Okay, but so that's the direction you want to go. Now try go that way. What's happening? Can he go where he wants to? Why not? Something else, thank you. Something else is pushing him. 
in another direction. That's what the illustration he's giving you. What, what's, the wave can't go that way because something's pushing it that way. It wants to go that way, but it can't. It gets pushed that way. This is what he wants you to understand in this passage. He who doubts. Well, doubt is a person who gets out of the faith position. What's the only thing that's going to enable you to be in, the, in a better control of the direction of your life? Operating in faith. When a person steps out of faith into unbelief, doubt, they step into a place where their life is at the mercy of outside forces that drive them in another direction. How many of you have ever, many people can identify with this. No matter how much you try to get somewhere in life, it seems something keeps knocking you another direction. Ever had that? Another, another circumstance comes and knocks you that way. And then you, think, you, you recover from that and you think, oh, right, we're going we're gonna, to, let's get to this place. And just as you start to move that way, something else comes and whacks you the other direction. And it seems like you can never quite get to where you're trying to go because other forces seem to be at play. And most people have that. Even people who don't believe in the things of God, don't believe in the spiritual realm, have some kind of awareness that it seems like there's forces pushing my life I've got no control over. <coughs> now, I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about unseen forces. Now, many people religiously call those unseen forces that are pushing their life, they call that God. Every time something pushes their life in a direction, oh, well, that must be what the Lord wants because, you know, it just happened. And entire religions are formed around the idea that whatever happens, whatever pushes my life in whatever way must have been the will of the Lord. But this verse does not say is like a wave driven by God. It refers to that force driving the person as the wind, not as God. And it doesn't say it's God's will either. The more, the more I look into this, the more I'm coming to, to the realization that that force which is driving many people's life is the curse. It's one, it, it, whether you want to say it, it, it is the wind, or it is certainly one of the factors affecting the wind, however people want to look at it, I can tell you this. Many people, there is an unseen spiritual force called, a, there's a curse, an operation on this planet that's driving many people's lives. No matter how much they try to succeed, Something keeps pushing them back down again. No matter how hard they work, something keeps making them fail. That's the curse in operation. Now, what did he say? What, what's the way out of this? What did he tell this person? We're asking, verse 6, but let him ask in faith, no doubting. That's the same idea we saw in Galatians where he says, they that are of faith are Blessed. If you're under the works of the law, you're under the curse. But faith puts you in a position where you can, where, where there's a change, a, a change can be enabled. Well, are we? Did God create us to be at the mercy of outside this outside invisible force which keeps pushing our lives, no matter what we try? No. Now, if you're going to willingly sit there and tolerate it and just let that constantly happen, you know, that's your choice. But if you're going to come to a realization and a revelation from the word, 
it doesn't have to be that way. This is what God's trying to teach us. Religion keeps building into mentality, pe mentalities into people. Oh, it has to be that way. You got there's nothing you can do about it. That's just God doing that. Or those negative things. Oh, that's just the will of the Lord. God wanted that to happen. It went wrong because the Lord wanted it to happen. And it feeds and it builds this into people to where they tolerate and accept things. They eventually think, there's nothing I can do about all these forces which just keep pushing my life wherever I are. There's nothing I can do. That mentality is not biblical. The biblical mentality is you can begin to take the word of God and, and, and apply the principles and there can be some changes. Blessing can be, begin to function on your behalf instead of curse functioning against you. What's going to do it? The Bible keeps pointing to the same factor. How many of you realize, <clears throat> I told you I'm just going to jump around today. Is this all right with you? But it, this is filling in some blanks and it's stirring up a bit of faith, I believe, in some areas and people. You know, you, you know when, when the Bible keeps pointing to the same reason for something, do you realize we don't need to look for another reason? It's amazing how many times things get asked, in, especially in the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, where, pe where, where people would say, why didn't this happen? And, and it's incredible, Jesus always pointed to the same reason. We very often we think, well, I know Jesus said that's the reason, but you see, 2,000 years on from Jesus, we've realized there's more reasons Jesus didn't know about. So we're going to write them in all our theology books, all the reasons Jesus didn't know about. No, 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 you just don't want to listen to the reason he kept pointing to. When, 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 when Peter was walking on the water and then sank and they got back to the boat, did Jesus say, we just can never know why these things go wrong, Peter. We just accept it. And we realize that sometimes it doesn't work out. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? He pointed to the reason. He said, that's why it went wrong. When they couldn't, when the lunatic son was, remember the boy that was throwing down into the fire and throwing down and they brought him to the father brought him to jesus and then the disciples couldn't cast the spirit out <clears throat> and then when they brought him to jesus he, get, he gets thrown on the ground remember this healing the, the, the one, i went through the details there very quickly and 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 the disciples after it came to jesus and said why couldn't we cast that spirit out jesus didn't say sometimes it just doesn't work boys But we just keep trying. Is that what Jesus said? No, he said, because of your unbelief. <laughs> do, do you realize that Jesus pointed at the same factor? You know, as Romans chapter 9, it talks about the children of Israel couldn't, couldn't get in, it, 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 it couldn't, it didn't receive righteousness. And then it asks the question right at the end, the last few verses of Romans 9, it actually asks the question, W-H-Y, question mark, why? Very few times the Bible does that. Actually, point blank asks the question and then gives you the answer. You know what it says? Why? Because of their unbelief. Now, you can go through multiple places all over the Bible. It keeps pointing to the, the same reason why something's not working. Hebrews 3 and 4. Why couldn't they enter into the promised land? Oh, it's because, because the Lord just took, got them to the edge of the land and decided... 
He had another plan. He changed his mind. He's a sovereign God. He can do whatever he wants. So he just changed his mind at the spur of the moment, and there's nothing they could do about it. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says, why couldn't they enter it? Because of their unbelief. See, the Bible keeps pointing at the same reason, the same reason, the same reason, the same reason. And what, what happens? We look at that reason saying, we don't really like that reason. We don't want to hear that. So we'll forget about that reason. Let's look for other reasons. You look for other reasons as much as you like. If you're ignoring what God says, this is the factor, you're going to find things don't work. What, is God, what does God point to as being what's going to get blessing functioning in a person's life? They that are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Amen? Can we, can we walk in this place where blessing is functioning and your life is not driven constantly by an outside, spirit, an outside force you've got no control over? Well, you're in, that was James 1. Let's go to James 3 quickly. I didn't actually intend to do all of this, but, but we're going to, I think it's important. James 1, James 3, he comes back to a similar illustration. In James 1, he talked about the, the wave that was driven by the wind. Remember? Look what he looks like in James 3. I'm not going to go into all of this. James 3, verse 4. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, notice this phrase, and are driven by fierce winds. You see the similar phrasing to James 1. The wave in James 1 is driven by the wind and there's nothing it can do about it. But in James 3, he's not talking about a wave. He's talking about a ship. Now that ship, he says, although that wind is still trying to come to drive the ship, they are turned. By a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Is he showing here that the ship is, it does not have to be pushed in the direction of the wave? The ship is able to steer and not be governed by that outside force which constantly tries to push it. Do you see that? It's the same illustration as he used in James. It's only two chapters in the Bible apart. Same writer. So is he saying there's nothing you can do about this, the, the, this unseen force that's pushing your life? Or is he showing, actually, if we begin to understand what God's showing us in his word and begin to take it, some things can change. We, we don't have to be at the mercy of, the, uh, of that outside spiritual force of the wind just driving us in the wrong direction. And actually, we, we can walk in a place where blessing's functioning in our lives. Blessing. Now, now let's go to Isaiah 58. <laughs> Are we supposed to just be at the mercy of things? Is that how God created man to function on this planet? Does it say in Genesis when God created man, he said, go be at the mercy of the planet? Or did he say, go have dominion? Which did he say? Did he say, you just be controlled by everything. Is that how God created man? No, God did not create that man to be that. Now, because of sin, because of darkness, because of what we yielded to, we got, we know this, we became at the mercy of the planet. But you know what? Jesus fixed all of that. Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Delivered us from the power of darkness. Are we supposed to still be at the mercy of everything? And why are we so many times? Why could Noah not use a power saw? 
Do you understand? It's the same reason. God's trying to show us how things work, function this way, and you can walk in certain things. Now let's 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 look at Isaiah fifty-eight. I don't want to go into all the details of the passage and everything in there. I just want to grab out a phrase, and I'm not doing this to grab a phrase out of context, but I, I want you to just just to, to see the same concepts in in Scripture goes around. Um, but verse eleven, Isaiah fifty-eight, verse eleven. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. Notice the word drought there, yeah? And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Let me read this to you out of the NIV. You could read this out of different translations, but I just, I've just got the two here. Yeah? NIV says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Well, New King James says drought. NIV says sun-scorched land. That's the same thing, yeah? Dry drought. Sun scorched, sun. Be- How many have you ever seen those nature programs where they show? Here in the UK, we really don't know what a sun scorched land is. We, we, you know, we understand a little bit of sunshine, but you know, when you talk about sun scorched, it's baked because it's had forty-five degree, whatever you know, temperatures going on it day in and day out, and day in no rain for months, and it's become dry and baked ground. <laughs> That's sun sun scorched, yeah. And notice this, he will satisfy, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy, look at this phrase, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Do you see the contrast? Does he say, you won't have any of your needs met because it's a sun-scorched land and there's nothing we can do about the fact that it's a sun-scorched land because it must be the will of God that it's a sun-scorched land because the fact that it is a sun-scorched land much prove it's the will of God for it to be a sun-scorched land. <laughs> Someone like to, can I follow all of that? People want to, there are a lot of theologians that want to tell you the way it is, is the will of God. Just because it's a sun-scorched land, it must be God's will for it to be a sun-scorched land. No, 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 no. Does he say, he, your needs, can be met even though it's a sun-scorched land? (coughs) Are you affected by the sun-scorched land around you? Do you have to be? And we talked a bit about this, but I wanted to dwell on this more. I just kept feeling pulled back, and this verse kept standing out. You realize this is all over scripture, these truths. Now, he might not mention the word blessing or the word curse here, but as you study blessing and curse, you realize that this is describing the same thing that elsewhere is described as a blessing or a curse. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Now, if you spoke to a lot of Christians, they'd say, well, you know, I know the Lord meets, you know, the, I know God promised he'll meet my needs, but, you know, you don't understand. It's a sun-scorched land at the moment. 
And so it's a bit harder for your needs to be met. But, you know, we praise the Lord anyway. Yeah. Now, I know they don't use the word sun-scorched land. What they'll say is, well, I know the Lord said he'll meet my needs. But, you know, you don't understand it's a difficult economy at the moment. What are they saying? He'll only meet my needs based upon the circumstances around me. That's not what he said. What did he say in Philippians 4? My God shall supply all your need according to the condition of the sun-scorched land around you. According to his riches. His provision has nothing to do with the condition of the land around you. His blessing. I'm repeating this because I want us to really get this. You see this all over scripture. Are we to just be governed and under at the mercy of the circumstances around me? No. That's the wind pushing you in one way. What did he say in James, James 3? You can be like a ship that is able to steer in a different direction despite the direction the wind's trying to push you in. How do you do this? This is getting blessing functioning in your life. So you don't know, your needs can be met in a sun-scorched land. Your neighbor, I'm not saying specifics now, I'm just saying that, that I do. the neighbor in your house, they might, their life might be completely at the mercy of the sun-scorched land. Everybody around you. And yet your needs are being met. How? Well, he's just got a better job. No, no, it's not because you've got a better job. Did he say he'll only do it for you if you've got a better job? Someone says, well, you know, I'm not very trained. I can't get a better job. So obviously this can't happen. No, he doesn't say that God, this got anything to do with natural factors. What has this got to do with? There's blessing upon my life. It's blessing upon my life. How many of you know this is supposed to be a testimony to the people around you? When God's people look just as messed up in every area of their life as the world, what testimony is that of God? When, when every sickness and every, everything that hits the economy just leaves our lives in the same condition as their lives, they're going to look at us and say, what's the difference God's doing in your life? Well, you know, eventually when I die, I'll go to eternity. They'll say, who cares? But, you know, over and over in the scripture, he talks about, Deuteronomy talks about, he says, Talked about that the, 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 the other nations will see with their eyes the blessing upon you. When everything's going wrong and curses manifesting and their lives are being ripped apart, and they look at the Christians, they see that house there is lived in by Christians. Look, just look how everything keeps going right for them. Oh, and five houses down, that those ones are Christians as well. Look, everything keeps going right for them too. And two streets down, and, and you know, the neighbors, they're all talking. You know, I know there's another Christian. He lives two streets down. And you should see, everything just goes right in his life. So they begin to scratch their head and they think, hmm, isn't that amazing? That Christian, that Christian, that Christian. And then another guy down the other side of town, he goes, everything goes right in his life. They'll eventually notice there's something different. And they'll either get envious and hate you for it. Because some people do that. You know that in scripture, some of them hated the blessing of God. Or it'll be a testimony and they'll say, hold on, things are getting so desperate in our lives. We need the God you serve. Your life becomes a living epistle showing the gospel to them. You don't have to just tell it to them. They see it. 
Let's read the, let's, let's, he will, I'm still reading this in the, in the NIV. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, or drought is what the New King James says, and will strengthen your frame. <clears throat> now notice he's just talked about a sun-scorched land, the drought. Now notice what he says. You will be. Is he saying anything about the land changed? He's already told you it's a sun-scorched land. Yes? He's already told you there's droughts in the land. But he says something about you. You will be like a well-watered garden. What's a well-watered garden? I like, I like that, that the way the NIV phrases that. The, 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 King, the New King James doesn't bring in that concept of a well-watered, just as a watered garden. But what's, I'm, I'm not a gardener, but what's a... Yeah, your garden's probably a well-watered garden, okay? A well-watered garden, is, a, is, is it's doing well, isn't it? Things can grow there. The, the soil gets, is, 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 is luscious and well, got proper nutrition. Who's going to be like a well-watered garden? Me? You? God's people? Do I have to be like the world around me? Do I have to be in the same condition? No. I'm, I can be like a well-watered garden. And, and, and going back to the New King James, or actually it says it in the NIV, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's it. This is a good thing to speak out all week. Father, I thank you that my life is like a well-watered garden. I thank you that my life is, is like a spring whose waters never fail. And no matter what drought and famine goes on around me, I will not fear. <coughs> Can you put your faith on this? Is this something that, 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 that we need to be hearing right now? Do we have to go the way of the world? No, no. Are the people of God supposed to be walking in a different place? Yeah. Can I cover something else? Or you guys want to go? Want to close? So you've got another two hours. Okay, good. <laughs> I want to, I just want to show, go to, let's go to Galatians 3. And I just, I want to, I want to say a couple of things about this quickly. If I can find specifically where this is. Galatians 3. Oh, yeah. Galatians 3 verse 13. That's, this is the text. We're reading our text right at the end of the series today. Galatians 3 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Oh, we can talk more about the curse, but let me read the next thing. That the blessing of Abraham might... Oh, hold on. Is this, is, this, is this the exact same blessing that was upon him? That's why it's called the blessing of Abraham means the exact same blessing that was upon him, what will happen to it? He says, might come upon the Gentiles. Well, that's us. Not a different blessing. It's the same blessing. Okay? I, so if it's the exact same blessing, will it do for me what it did for him? Can I, well, if it's going to do something different, I'd have to wonder whether it's the same blessing. <laughs> Can I expect it to do in my life what it did for him and for his descendants? Yes. But notice this, that the blessing of Abraham, notice this phrasing, might come upon. See that word upon? <laughs> a 
upon, upon the Gentiles. Upon. Where, 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 does, where does the blessing go? Do you know that some of these words in Scripture are quite significant? When the Bible says it's in or it's upon, it's very often talking about some slight differences. In fact, people get confused. And I don't want to go into some things about the Holy Spirit because we're talking about the blessing. You know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon. Okay, uses these terminology. They're quite important phrases. It might be, it's what's called a preposition. Here's your English. You didn't think you were having an English grammar class today, did you? It's a preposition. It's those little words which describe some, some things. You know, it's one thing to say, um, the, you know, the water is on or up on. It's on the cupboard. That's very different to saying the water is in. You, may, you, you see, you're describing something completely different. You can't just say, well, it's all the same stuff. No, the, these words are in the English language and other languages as well, but we're talking English for a reason. He didn't say the blessing will be inside of you. He says, it'll, what'll, what'll happen? It'll come upon you. Now, it comes upon you because it's an outside influence that's coming upon you. This is what I want you to see in a minute. What happened in Scripture when some is is this saying it's all up to you and your strength you must do this you must make this no you, you we work we do what we do in the natural world but he's saying something comes upon you i just want to dwell on this for a little bit think about in scripture what happened when something came upon people Okay, let me read you a couple of things. Just these are not just about blessing, but I want you to get the concept of a pond. A pond. Okay. You can write these scriptures down. I won't turn to them right now, but this idea of the blessing coming upon is in more than one place in scripture. Remember Deuteronomy 28? Just write this down, verse 2 says, And the all these blessings shall come upon you. This is significant. This is not a mining. Don't, every word in scripture means something. It's got, it's got meaning. God chose this on purpose. Here's another one. We haven't looked at this one. Just write the reference down if you're taking notes. Psalm 3 verse 8 says, your blessing is upon your people. There's three places. Upon. 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 Why is this significant? Because something that comes upon you is something external from God that now comes on your life and affects you. In Scripture, things, that, things from God that came upon people were enablings. Very often, anointings came upon people. And because that anointing came upon them, it enabled things in their life that would not have been possible without that thing that came upon them. This is why this is important. Look at how the Bible shows the concept of upon. And don't, 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 don't just ignore this like it's a small factor. Let me give you some examples. Write these down. I'm not going to go to all the scriptures because we are, we are going to finish in just a minute. But 1 Kings 18 from about verse 41 up to about verse 46, this is when Elijah 
outran Ahab's chariot. Uh, that's not bad, is it? I don't, anyone have ever tried to outrun a chariot? We don't have chariots, but I don't know how fast those chariots went. I mean, maybe not as fast as a modern-day supercar, but I'm sure they went fast. You, you couldn't run as fast of a, as a chariot. Elijah outran the chariot, the king's chariot. So because it's the king's chariot, I bet he had the best horses pulling it. Yeah? Why was he able to outrun the chariot, because if you read that passage, you'll, you'll see, I think it's, it talks about the hand of the Lord came upon him. Something came upon him. Enabled more in his life than he could just do in his own ability. This is why it's important. The blessing comes upon me. What happened? Think, in the Bible, very often anointing is described I'm not saying the blessing, I don't want to go into, is the blessing anointing, I don't want to go into all that, but the concept, the anointing very often was described as a jacket, an external garment that someone put on because it came upon them, and when it was upon them, something changed in them. Remember when Elijah called Elisha, it says he, wa he walked past him and he threw his mantle on him. Elisha was caring for, the, caring for the, his parents' oxen, I think it was. He didn't say a word. He just walked past him, threw his jacket on him, and walked on. Didn't say a word. Now, these days, someone throws a jacket at you, you'll probably run off them and punch them. I don't throw your jacket at me. <clears throat> but actually, they, Elisha fully understood what was going on. He knew that when Elijah threw his jacket on him, he was saying, the anointing upon me is coming upon you. Something's going to come upon you. And because that anointing comes upon you, it's going to enable things in your life that wouldn't have been possible without that thing that came upon you. So over and over in, in Scripture, when things come upon, come upon, come upon, that is something, a divine added extra in a person's life. And because of that extra that's come upon them, it enables things in their life that are beyond their own ability. Why am I saying all of this? Put faith in the fact that when the blessing comes upon me, it's an extra added factor in my life that begins to enable some things. Begins to, and in fact, when Elijah went up into heaven, remember he had thrown his mantle upon Elisha. He put his, he put, it was the mantle that he threw and says, when he first called him, <clears throat> well, when Elijah went up into heaven, remember Elisha had said, give me a double portion of your anointing. What was it as Elisha went up that fell down to the <laughs> earth? His mantle. And Elisha picks that mantle up. This is the mantle that had come upon him previously. And now he was stepping into it. He walks up to the Jordan River and he strikes it with, with his hand with the mantle and says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The power manifested in that river split or stopped flowing, but it was a similar thing as a split. What's doing this? The thing that's come upon him. The thing, the thing that, that thing that's come upon him is that mantle, that anointing. So God uses the same concept with blessing. 
He says the blessing comes upon you. What happens when things come upon you, things of God come upon you? They enable. They add an extra added force in your life of things that can't be done in your own strength. There's an enabling that comes with it, the things that come upon you. So is this significant that God uses this terminology? It certainly is. And he uses that kind of terminology. That's why he begins to say, that's why when people say, oh, but you don't understand. It's a tough times at the moment. That's when you begin to say, there's something upon me that, 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 that's, that adds an extra factor here. It's on me. There's a blessing on me. In fact, this scripture says your blessing is on your people. I think it's the one I've read. Lord, I thank you that there's something on me that adds an extra factor into all of this. And in fact, it's the most powerful factor it is. It's the blessing of the Lord. It's on me. Your blessing is upon my life. When I walk down the street, there's blessing that's come upon me. When I go to my job, there's blessing that's come upon me. And that added factor enables divine power to work in my life and areas. Is that good news? It is. Amen. I just wanted to add that little bit about upon there because it's 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 it, 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 I, th- I think there's something powerful in that truth when you begin to realize when things came on people it enabled God to manifest in ways that were beyond their own ability. Well, God's given us something. Is it just down to my ability? Is it just down to the factors in the country? Is it just down to the conditions in the world? No, it's down. It's down to what's upon me. There's a blessing upon me, and that blessing upon me is working on my behalf, enabling things to happen, just like that anointing operated, because that anointing came upon them.